Okay. Right at the top of your page, because I know you guys are all taking notes, because you guys love the Lord. Right at the top of your page, guilt versus conviction. This is going to be fun. You guys so excited. Since you told me about this on Tuesday. Okay. Without looking at your phone, what is the date today? The 7th. Okay. So, right? Guilt versus conviction. This is what we're going to cover tonight. Um, I think us as a ministry and a lot of... Christians and a lot of people who believe in Jesus get this one confused. Um, right? We get this confused so much. Um, and I want to kind of level set the playing field for the Lord tonight, okay? Um, so I'm gonna, we're going to be going through a lot of different scriptures tonight. And I'm going to be pulling things out of a lot of scripture tonight. And are you guys excited? Yes. yes. Okay. Are you guys... Uh, here's what I ask. If I'm talking too fast, I need you guys to pause, hit pause button on me, okay? And say, Lex, slow down. Because there's going to be things that I say that if you zone out for a second, you can take them completely out of context, and it's going to be like, well, Lex told me that this is okay. Don't do, okay? I need you guys to focus, and if I'm losing you, pause me. Say, hey, 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 okay? I'm serious. That's uh, welcome to the home. You can do that, okay? Uh, you don't need to talk to me afterwards. It's talk to me now, okay? Talk to me in the moment because you'll forget, okay? Um, that's the beauty of kind of having a smaller, smaller ministry. Um, I don't pray that it stays this way forever, but um, that's kind of the beauty of where we're at today. And you guys get to hear this, alrighty? So, like I said, don't zone out. Don't space out. Stay attentive. Yes? yes if you can't stay attentive, tell me to pause so you can get refocused. Okay? Uh, don't get carried away with that. Just stay attentive. Okay? Cool. So I figured let me kind of properly define both of these words at the beginning so everything else makes sense. Okay? Um, so guilt. In the Greek, this word actually translates to sin. <laughs> Yeah, I could stop here, but I'm not going to. Uh, there's going to be a couple of those moments where I could feel like I could stop, but I'm, not, I'm going to keep on going. So, in Greek, this word means sin. Okay? For those of you who don't understand what sin is, <laughs> cue laughing track. Yeah. I feel a guilt is a feeling of doing wrong or failing. Okay? Correct? We understand this. Okay? But conviction, let me let me uh, do this one. This comes from the same word as convince. Okay? This is more of having an understanding of our wrong and changing from it. It's a revelation of doing wrong to put it a little bit more dramatic. Okay? Does that make sense? Are we on the same playing field right now? Yes. Okay? We cannot blend those. It's either one or the other. Okay? Our level of guilt 
is tied to our level of, of understanding of the Father's goodness. Write it down. I will. Our level of guilt is tied directly to our level of understanding of the Father's goodness. When you experience guilt, you don't don't understand God's goodness over that area of your life. Okay? Again, listen closely this whole entire time. Again, I could stop here, but I'm not going to. Our level of guilt is tied to our level of understanding of the Father's goodness. What's that actually mean? Let me tell you. When I'm guilty over committing... uh, Here, let me paint a picture. If I'm guilty over lying to somebody... Yes? I'm filled with guilt. It consumes me. It makes me shut down my entire life. I'm, I'm, I'm chained by it. I'm bound by it. Right? I don't understand God's grace over that area. I don't understand that the Lord wants to redeem me in that area. Okay? Does this make sense? Okay. Um, we have to first understand that guilt is not of God. Okay? Guilt is not from the Lord. Good. Second thing we have to understand. I'm going to give you the three points at the beginning, okay? Second thing is guilt is the misuse of conviction. Okay? Let me paint this picture because I love this concept. If I misuse something, I'm making it fake. Correct? Mm -hmm. I'm making it false. Correct? Just like if I misuse prophecy, Mm -hmm. it's not prophetic. (laughs) Correct? Mm -hmm. If I misuse tongues, it's not tongues. Correct? Mm -hmm. So if I misuse conviction, it's called guilt. In 1 Corinthians 14, write it down, read it on your own time. 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about if I have no love and I operate in gifting, I might as well be a clanging gong. Okay? This is what it is over your life when you walk in guilt. You're actually just being a clanging gong. If you're super guilty of something, you're going to talk about it a lot and you're going to whine to me and Madison, correct? Everybody's smiling because they know it's right. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. That's what we're here for and we'll just tell you, hey, great, stop being guilty of it, okay? So you're actually going to be a clanging gong to the people who are around you if you're very, very guilty of something, right? Guilt draws attention to you. Conviction draws attention to the Lord. Like everybody head, everybody's head dropped at the same exact time. Everybody's pen started moving at the same exact time. Guilt magnifies you. Conviction magnifies the Lord. Okay? Third point. Conviction is good and of the Lord. I love being convicted. I hate feeling guilty. Okay? 
Tommy's almost already filled up an entire page. What are you guys doing? That's amazing. What'd you say? <laughs> what do you well, need? I was asking what you said. I didn't need you to say it again. I've got the memory of the fish. Yeah. Conviction is good and of God. <laughs> okay? If you don't remember anything else, remember those three things. Okay? Please. If you tune out for the rest of the thing, of this thing, what we're doing right now, remember those three things. They'll get you very, very far. Okay? But I'm not done, as you might have guessed. When I want to make somebody feel guilty, where's the love in that? There is no love in that. Correct. Great. I, I'm glad we're on the same page. When I, when me personally want to make somebody feel really guilty, like my dog, I'll take this for example. When I want to make my dog feel guilty, what do I do? I really, really hone in on the subject. Right? I make sure her ears are back, make sure that she understands that she did wrong. Right? And it's not out of love. <laughs> I'm just joking. I love my dog. <laughs> Back off, PETA. Okay? Um, <laughs> PETA's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The other thing, when I present a conviction of the Lord, is it done with love? Yes. It better be, or else it's guilt. Yep. Okay? And did you hear how I said that? When I present a conviction of the Lord. I'm sorry, I can't convict you. The Lord can only convict you. Yes, He can use me as a vessel. Awesome. It makes it a little uncomfortable for our relationship, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's only the Lord who convicts. It's the enemy who brings guilt. Okay? Understand? I believe that when I feel a conviction... and I don't understand the Father's love, it will turn into guilt immediately. Okay? Let me say it again. When I feel a conviction, but I don't understand the Father's love for me, it immediately turns into guilt. Okay? It immediately turns to guilt. Why? Because guilt is the misuse of conviction. They have to go hand in hand. Okay? Okay? Everybody good so far? Yes. Makes sense so far? Yep. Good. I'm not done yet. When I understand the Father's love for me, I will understand conviction. Okay? Cool. Turn to John 16. The John. The Gospel of John 16. <laughs> and this is where it kind of, I'm going to escalate everything, okay? So still stay, stay attentive. Everything is going to get a little bit more intense, okay? John 16, go to verse 7. I miss my wife. I haven't seen her in three days. Miss her. Working. She didn't leave me. Don't worry. She knows what she's got with me. 
Yeah, I made eye contact with Tommy there. All right, John 16, verse 7. Ready? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, this is Jesus talking, yes? Okay. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Helper, which is Holy Spirit, yes, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning and righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay, that's pretty cool, yeah? yeah? That's actually really good news. That should not make us feel guilty, okay? That makes me feel really excited because Holy Spirit comes to convict me of sin. And what's sin translated into? Yes. Well, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. I hope the mic picked up that. <laughs> no, but it, it comes... The Holy Spirit comes, He comes to convict me of sin, which is convicting me of guilt, shame, fear, all of these things. Yes? Yeah. Ah, isn't that beautiful? Isn't our Lord good? Yes. Isn't He good? Yes. Tell me how good He is. He's so good. Yeah, He is so good. Yes. Um, then I want to jump down to verse 13. Okay. Where are you? Here you are. Verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay. That's Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that the Lord has our best interest and doesn't want to bring us into shame and guilt but He leads us to truth and righteousness. Do we understand this? I know that's very, very basic, but let's walk in it, actually. Can we walk in it? I believe that we can. He comes to convict us, which is good. Again, it sounds very negative. It sounds like, oh my gosh, you came to smite me. You know, no. He comes to convict us. Why? So that He can bring us into truth and righteousness. That's what it says, yes? I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. Even if I did, it's still good. <laughs> okay. Um, when we understand who Holy Spirit is, we understand He wants the best for us. He comes to lead us, to guide us into truth and in righteousness. It's good news, yes? Okay. Turn to Isaiah 10. Can you lie? I'm still on when we understand. <laughs> Sorry. What do I need to repeat? We understand who the Holy Spirit is. We understand He wants the best for us. Cool. No, it's okay. It's okay. Thank you for interrupting me. Isaiah 10. Thank you. 
27. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, this is on. Uh, this will be posted to um, podcast too. So if you need to re-listen to it, it's okay. Spotify. We're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify now. That's scary. Can you really? Wow. <laughs> Isaiah 10. Hey, 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 stay with me. Isaiah 10, verse 27. Ready? Yep. Right. You said what verse? 27. 27. Ready? Everybody there? Yes. Did you write it down in your notes? Did you? You write it down in your notes? Yeah. Good. Ready? And in that day, his burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of the fat. What? Hmm. what? Is it because, because of the fat in yours? have grown fat. Yes. Because of the fat. Let me talk about it. Let me talk about it. Let me talk about it. It's okay. It's I love this. I love this. And no, Zach, this is not why I put on weight. So, you see. (laughs) I love Zach. You see, this is in Isaiah, and it's in the Old Testament. And this is in times of prophesying of who Jesus will be. And I love that it says fat, but we're not going to get there yet. Okay? I will explain that in a second. But... First thing I want to talk about is about burden. What's burden? What do you think that burden means? Heavy weight. Heavy weight, yes. Huh? Sin? Guilt. Guilt. Yes. Guilt is heavy. Guilt's heavy. It really is. It weighs you down. Sometimes you don't feel worthy of being around God because of your guilt. Right? Yep, yep, yep. It sucks. In this verse, he's saying he's going to remove that burden. He's going to remove that guilt and break it, and you will become fat. (laughs) Okay? Maybe your translation doesn't say fat. Okay? What it probably says is anointed. Right? Nope. Lifted from their shoulders. Lifted from their shoulders? Fat? What no, translation that, that, is that? It, uh, it's a weird one. Okay. No okay. Mine says uh, neck is too large. Neck is too large? Yeah. Okay. Too good, bro. What's yours? Anointing oil. Anointing oil. Perfect. I like that Perfect. Well, we're going to talk about that one. Yeah. This is more figuratively, tran- this word fat is translated into the richness of God's goodness okay yeah yeah that's beautiful i'm going to become fat because of the riches of god's goodness okay not the reason why i put on weight (laughs) just making more room for the holy ghost baby 
Okay. No, okay. That was great. Bigger temple. Okay. Bigger temple. How many bedrooms That's really funny. That should be a t-shirt. What? Bigger temple? I'm not fat. I'm just a bigger, bigger, bigger temple. I think people in Texas. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. All right. Back on topic. This is more accurately translated into also anointed. Anointed means riches of God's goodness. In the Old Testament, to be an, it was to be anointed with oil. Right? It means you were set apart. You were anointed with oil. Uh, sometimes it was with ash, as maybe you've seen ash on the forehead. That's the anointing. Okay? Now, in New Testament, in our covenant, now it's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Right? Okay, so what this actually gets translated into is, let me read it again, is, and in that day his burden will depart from your shoulder and your, and his yoke of your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of your anointing, because of the Holy Ghost, because of the work that he's doing in your life. Okay? Um, Guilt. Right? That's guilt. He's going to remove guilt. That does not mean he's going to remove conviction. He's going to ramp up conviction, actually. And that's good news, because we live a life of repentance, correct? Okay? So, does that make sense? Cool. So what am I getting at? In Matthew 11.30, write it down. Jesus says something very similar. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why does it say, why does he say my yoke, why, why doesn't he say my yoke is none and my burden is none? The yoke's different. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I love when you guys try to guess. <laughs> Why does he say it's still going to be there? Some burden's still going to be there. Some weight is still going to be there. Some yoke is still going to be there. It's going to be light. It's going to be easy, but it's still there. Hmm. Let me connect some dots for you. The word glory. The word glory. This is beautiful. Ready to geek out? The word glory is from a Hebrew word named that is is pronounced kavod, K-A-V-O-D, kavod. What this word actually means, kavod and glory are the same word, but an extension of that word kavod is uh, heaviness, sorry, heaviness and importance. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, He's actually talking about the glory that you're going to be carrying. Because glory actually means heaviness. It's actually beautiful if you think about it. Okay? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because of the heaviness that we're going to be carrying. Because of His glory. Right? So with Jesus, there is a burden, but the burden of what you carry is what your life is purposed for right 
Now, not guilt. This word burden is not the same as guilt. It's for His glory now. So when we possess Jesus, we possess His glory now. That's why He calls us the light of the earth. That's why He calls us the salt of the earth. Is because now we possess His glory. Why? Because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Make sense? Isn't that cool? Jesus is not saying, no, I'm going to bog you down with just a little bit of guilt. <laughs> I'm going to bog you down with just a little bit of shame. <laughs> no, no, that's not Jesus. If that's Jesus to you, let me reintroduce you to him. Because who you bought into is not Jesus. Okay? This is key. This is so, so key. We will possess his glory because of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Does this make sense? Good. If it doesn't, ask me now. Good. Now turn to Isaiah 6. Yeah, we're having fun tonight. Isaiah. Isaiah 6. Everybody okay? Still with me? Yeah. 6. 1. Oh, there you are. 6 1. And this is kind of cool because Josh brought this up on Tuesday night, and now I'm preaching out of it. So I love when that kind of stuff happens. Okay, so Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Again, this is, a, this is Isaiah the prophet. Okay, make sure that you understand that this is a vision. Okay, this is a vision of the Lord. Okay, cool. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood a seraphim. Remember this, guys? Yep, forget. Seraphim? Is that how you say it? Seraphim? Thank you. Sorry. Seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and the other two, he covered his feet, and the other two, he flew. And he called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Right? Filled with smoke. I love that. That's really cool. Verse 5. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim, did I say it right? Mm-hmm. Seraphim, thank you. Seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Okay, really cool kind of crazy story. Yeah, it's just a casual vision, you know? Uh, ramp up your guys' vision life, okay? Uh, no, no, I think, I think I've lost half the room. All right, so a seraphim is an angel whose name roots from the word burn. Okay? 
burn. This indicates their purity as God's ministers. Okay? In a, to- in a time of moral and spiritual decay was at the max at this time in the passage of Isaiah. It was important for Isaiah to see God and His holiness. Holiness is morally perfect, pure, set apart from all and all sin. That's holiness. Okay? Isaiah had to see this holiness. Okay? Or else... Oh, hold on. We need to see God's holiness. Why? Or else we'll stay in the guilt. Mm. Or else we'll buy into the guilt. Our daily frustrations, pressures, and shortcomings reduce and narrow our view of God like we talked a little bit ago. If I feel guilt over an area, my view of God has now shrunk. Correct? Mm -hmm. I believe my God is this vast. But when I walk in guilt, I'm actually shrinking my view of God and say, nope, sorry, Lord, you're not powerful enough to take that away. That's what you're saying. Don't do. Okay? He's God. He's God. He can take, he can take it away. Okay? It's really cool. God can do whatever He pleases, as it says in um, Psalm 115. And He does what He pleases. So therefore, He pleases for you to walk with Him. Why would He not allow you to? Why would He say, no, you have to walk in guilt? No, that would be silly. This is kind of the same plague that hits your life when you put God in a box and say, you will only operate in this way, Lord. It's the same kind of plague. You minimize your view of the Lord. You say, nope, this is it. This is it. This is the only spot you can operate. Correct? We do this every single day. If you're not shaking your head like this, you better get, get shaking your head like this. Okay? Because you do it every single day. Sorry, Lord, you can't do that. You're too small for that. Right? If I walk in sin, if I walk in guilt, and I don't let it leave my presence, I'm minimizing my view of the Lord. He's holy. Correct? Yes. He is holy. God, a God... Our God, properly seen, will purify us and cleanse our minds and enable us to worship Him with our entirety. Okay? This is key. When I have a small view of God, I can't worship Him fully. He actually is. When I have a big view of God, I can worship Him fully because I understand who He is. That's why Scripture tells us to worship in spirit and in truth. Why? Because we have to know the truth about God in order for us to worship God, in order for us to understand the fullness of God. Does this make sense? This is crucial to our walks with Jesus. It's crucial to our walks with Jesus. If we don't understand this, we don't understand the presence of the Lord. We don't understand who He actually is in our lives. We lose sight of God, and then we just say, well, I'm just guilty. Guilty as charged. Woe is me. No, shut up. Put your big boy pants on and say, (laughs) and walk with the Lord. He wants to take it away. It's who he is. He's the Rose of Sharon. Nobody knows what that means, but you sing it. (laughs) Thanks, Benji. Thanks, Benji, for smiling. Rose of Sharon is healer. 
He, that's who He is. He takes away things that aren't of Him. That's healing. Correct? Okay. That all makes sense. I steamroll you. Just a little bit of the sentence. Oh yeah, let me say it again. It's in bold in my, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> God, properly seen, will purify us and cleanse our minds and enable us to worship Him completely. Can I get one more time for the slower piece? Yes. God, properly seen, will purify us and cleanse our minds and enable us to worship Him completely. Great point. Thank you. It's a good word. <laughs> Need some more Pentecostals in here. Like, oh, good word, brother! Speaking against it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, brother. Yes. I love it. Everybody good? God properly seen will purify us and cleanse our minds. And enable us to worship Him completely. Okay? Isaiah was a prophet who prophesied John the Baptist as a forerunner to call everybody to repent. Okay? Repent not out of guilt, but out of conviction and obedience to the Lord. Who's, con- who's repented out of guilt before? Who fell right back into that sin really fast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. But who's repented out of conviction? And how fast did you turn from it and you never saw it again? Oh, isn't that beautiful? That is what the Lord does. When I get convicted of something, I'm cut to the core, right? And I'm like, okay, I know better. <laughs> Ta-da. When I'm guilty of something, I'm like, oh, frick. (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm going to heaven, maybe, right? It's like, come on. We're missing the point, okay? (laughs) Whatever. That was great. Thanks. Sorry for those of you on the podcast. You didn't see my interpretive dance. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Conviction leads us to a holier life. Yes. Guilt doesn't do anything. Okay? Are you feeling guilty or, convic- or convicted? We have to understand when something comes my way, am I feeling guilty or convicted? Okay? Yes, they are very drastic feelings. You know when you've been convicted. You know when you're guilty. And they're complete opposites. One is presented in love. One, you just beat yourself up. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes. We can't blur the line anymore. I'm sick of here. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm done with it. I've had it with these snakes on this plane, you know, kind of thing. I've had it. You, nobody's seen snakes on a plane? I know. After you said it. Yeah. What's on your plane? Snakes or bunnies? 
There you go, Jaden. Now, now I want to kind of present a couple stories in Scripture where we see guilt and where we see conviction. Okay? Because, yeah, I just gave you a whole bunch of truths, but now I want to show you what it actually leads to if we walk in guilt. Okay? I'm going to share the most extreme version. And as you might have guessed, his name is Judas. <laughs> okay? His name is Judas. When we walk in guilt like Judas did, we'll see what happens. Turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 14. Good. I saw this great meme the other day, and it was uh, it was the four gospels. It was like Luke, and it was like super elaborate and super thorough. And then it was Matthew. It was like, oh well, this is my take on this or whatever. And then it was Luke, or what I what what I John John sorry. I need to remember the Gospels. <laughs> John, and it was like, uh, yada, yada, yada. And then it was Mark, and it was the Mulan character. Let's get down to business. <laughs> pretty good. I love it. That's you don't get it? I saw, I saw. What the I don't, frick? The yada, yada, yada part, I was like... Marcus, if you want to see a a Instagram scroll or a Snapchat scroll of the life of Jesus, you read Mark because it's just like, and then all of a sudden, then suddenly, and then immediately, and that's the way Mark is written because he's like that. And behold, all this suddenly. A dove descended from heaven. You know, kind of like, uh, whatever, Bible jokes. Okay, let's read this. Matthew 16, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas, uh, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him with thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Okay. So he got bought out. Yes, Judas went to make a deal with the chief priest to hand over Jesus. Okay. To kind of paint the picture of this, Judas got 30 silver coins in return. Okay. What does that mean? I did some research. It's like three hundred dollars. What's three hundred dollars? If you were listening, today or three hundred dollars then? Today, like three hundred bucks. Oh, then it was probably a lot more. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a second. It's still three hundred bucks. I know. Yeah, inflation, whatever. Thanks, but three hundred bucks. Okay, it was a lot of money. It could have bought you a car in the sixties. Okay, what a time to be alive. Okay, okay. This same account in John and Luke, John thirteen twenty seven, it says, "Then Satan possessed Judas." Yep. Whoa! Holy! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! 
Okay, you can find that if you want to look at it. John 13, verse 27. Or Luke 22, verse 3. And he says, Then Satan possessed Judas. Okay, that's heavy. Yes? What's Satan bring? Death. 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 What? <laughs> also guilt. guilt. Also sin. Also shame. Also guilt. That's what he brings. Correct? Okay. So now turn to Matthew 27, verse 1. We're almost, we're almost there, guys. Just stay with me. Matthew 27, verse 1. Okay. When it's just like one, maybe one page to the right. Okay. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then, verse 3, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hung himself. Verse 6. I know, I told you this. A little intense. Verse 6. But the chief priest talking about... um, Sorry. The chief priest taking the pieces of silver said, It's not lawful to put them into the treasury of the church, since it is blood money. 7. So... They took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled uh, what, was, what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been given set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Okay. This is where guilt leads us. It chains us. It binds us. It leads us to do crazy things. Right? Leads us to crazy, crazy things. Okay? Um, conviction. Now it's interesting. This word betrayed is used in both of these stories. Judas betrayed Jesus, but so did this guy named Peter. This guy named Peter also betrayed Jesus and did it three times. Okay? Now this is conviction. I'm going to paint this beautiful picture for you. Okay? And then I'll talk about Paul as well. Okay? So, um, Go to Matthew 26, verse 69 through 75. And yes, that's a lot of verses. What is it? Matthew 26, verse 69. And, may, and it, you've probably heard this story, you've probably read this story before, but I'm going to read it again, okay? Verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up, to be, came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all, saying, I don't know what you mean. 
Verse 71, and when, he went out, and when he went out of the entrance, another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them. For your accent betrays you. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 74. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Your accent betrays you. And no, this is not because he was from like a foreign land or something like that. But when you hang around with Jesus, you change the way you talk. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Everything changes when you're around Jesus, even the way you talk. Correct? Okay. Then, let's turn to John 21. Did you see how Peter responded? He denied three times, betrayed Jesus three times, and then he went out and wept. Some of you might think that this is wallowing. No, this is not wallowing. He was convicted. And in, another, um, in, in the other Gospels, it says Jesus looked at him in the eyes. Looked at him in the eyes. And at that moment, he knew that he just betrayed Jesus. Okay? And then, in John 21, verse 15, this is after Jesus um, has been crucified. This is after the stone's been rolled away. This is after of his appearance. And now, we pick up in verse 15 of verse 21. And this is after, hey, throw uh, in this, and they'll kind of paint the whole entire picture. All of the, uh, all of the disciples say, well, guys, we got nothing to do, so let's go fish again. Because this is what we used to do, right? Let's go fish again. And they weren't catching anything. They weren't catching anything. And then some figure, quote-unquote figure, yells from the shore and says, throw the net on the other side. Yes? Mm-hmm. And they throw the net on the other side, and it's more than what their boat can handle. It's more than what they can handle. And they drag it back, and this man was Jesus. And now they're sitting down and having breakfast. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, They're having breakfast. That's why I love breakfast. I'm just joking. (laughs) Verse 15. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, the same Peter who denied him three times, said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Feed my lambs. Jesus did. And then Jesus said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus responded, Tend my sheep. And Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said To him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, 
You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by the kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying these things, he said to him, follow me. And then what did Peter do? He did it. He followed him. That is walking in conviction. Do you understand that? Okay? Yes, he betrayed Jesus three times. He walked in that three times. But he also looked back at Jesus. He also looked back at Jesus and said, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes? And then stood up on Pentecost and gave the sermon of his life. And then wrote some of the books of the Bible. And then was the church of which... Uh, sorry, was the rock of which the church was built upon. That is living a life out of conviction. The other guy I want to talk about is Paul in Acts 9. If you know Acts, you know Acts 9. If you know me, you probably have heard of Acts 9. (laughs) On Acts 9, um, Paul was a guy who just killed Stephen. One of the apostles just killed Stephen was one of the kind of the same repertoire of killing Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's on his way on the road of Damascus and then boom, Jesus intercepts him. And yes, it's Jesus. If you look in Acts 9, it is red text. It's Jesus who intersects him on the road of Damascus and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he feels very convicted. He understands who the Lord is now. Mm-hmm. Right? He has this big picture of who the Lord is now. Because not only was he blinded, but he also went to a guy named Ananias and then the scales fell off of his eyes. Same dude. And he had heavenly vision now. And he wrote a lot of the Bible. A lot of letters. A lot of Letters to churches, a lot of letters of correction. Do we understand the difference? We have to understand the difference. They can't be they can't be blurry anymore. It's not blurry. It's not blurry. Guilt leads you away from the Lord. It does. I've seen it ruin people's lives. Devout people of the faith have walked in guilt, and they are no longer in the faith. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for you. I can't handle it. I can't. Can you handle it? It would suck. If any of you guys walk in guilt, you will run away from the Lord. Does that make sense? Jesus gives us access to the Lord. Correct? He's not a wall builder. He's a bridge builder. Correct? So, quick question. Yeah. Because both of them, Judas and Peter, betrayed Jesus. Is it because I feel like they both were guilty, but one of them repented his guilt, though? Isn't it? No, because remember what I said at the beginning? Guilt is misuse of conviction. Peter used conviction 
and walked with the Lord. Remember the definitions at the beginning. Guilt is not of the Lord. It's not of the Lord. Conviction is only of the Lord. Does this make sense? Okay? If you feel guilty over something, I'm sorry, it's not of the Lord. If you, conv- if you feel convicted of something, it's of the Lord. Okay? We can't use this word guilt anymore unless we're walking with the enemy. We can't. Right? Does this make sense? Yes. Yeah? I'm still cloudy. Okay. I can't. Yeah. Um, if Peter didn't understand who Jesus was, he would be walking in guilt still. He wouldn't have wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter. He wouldn't have wrote anything. He wouldn't have done what he did on Pentecost because guilt would have suffocated his entire life. Just like it did with Judas. But because Peter was a man after God, was a, yes, was a man after God, was a, a man who loved Jesus, he walked in conviction, not guilt. Judas was guilt. Right? Yes, he said he sinned. Duh. I can say I sin all the time, but I can still feel guilty. Right? Judas, if he walked in conviction, he would be walking in the love of the Lord for his life. And he would see, oh, this is Jesus, and he does have to do this because of my lack. But Peter said, no, I, need, I understand this as a correction And he had a divine revelation of who Jesus was. And then therefore, he walked with Jesus and repented. Hence why he betrayed three times and then said, I love you three times. Does that make sense? Okay. I understand that part. Okay, cool. Yeah, guilt is a game set and match. Guilt is not of the Lord. Okay? If you think guilt is from the Lord, you don't know the Lord. Okay? I need you to understand that guilt is not of the Lord. If you're walking in guilt tonight, get rid of it. Say, Jesus, take it away from me. I don't want it. It's suffocating me. It's choking me out. It's heavy. It's burdensome. And Jesus, I want you. That's what we have to do. It's simple. It really is. It really, really is. And no, I'm not just saying it's simple because I want you to do it. I'm telling you it's simple because it is. It took, it took Peter three I love yous. What's it going to take you? You know? What if we lived in this manner? The Holy Spirit has so much access over our lives that He comes to convict us and to lead us in truth and in righteousness. If we submit to Holy Spirit, we will be led in truth and in righteousness. What's righteousness? Jesus. Does this make sense? Yes. Did I lose anybody? No. Good. Walk in conviction. If I let conviction um, just sit there and I do nothing with it, it will probably turn into guilt. Mm -hmm. Because why? You're misusing it. Does this make sense? Yes. Our level of guilt is tied to our level of understanding of the Father's goodness. If I don't understand the Father's goodness, I will. I will inhabit guilt in my life. Does this make sense? I'll give you my three points again to kind of tie a bow on this. 
we have to understand that guilt is not of God. Guilt is the misuse of conviction. And conviction is good and of God. Okay? So who's dealing with guilt tonight?